Halloween! Where did it come from? Why is it so freaking great? Why do all the best people love Halloween? Do you know the ancient and grisly origin of Halloween bonfires? <gasps> How about which vegetable is the spookiest? <laughs> Why do strange little children come to my door and demand snacks? The answers to all of these questions and more shall be revealed as we slip behind the veil in this episode of... Hey, Faye. Hey, Artrice. Ready to talk about dead stuff? Always. All right. Well, I think that qualifies as both introducing the show as well as introducing the show hosts. Hi. Hold on. Uh, I have a checkbox for each of those things. Okay. Just get my sparkly green gel pen and check and check. Podcasting achieved. <laughs> We're doing it. High five. <laughs> Now what? Uh, I think we need a topic to talk about for the next 45 or so. Hmm. So before we dig into this month's episode, do you feel old this month or, like, super accomplished? Well, this <laughs> October marks our one-year anniversary of doing the show. Wolf! And we have a whole dozen episodes to show for it. These things take more work than I thought they would. Yeah. Yeah. We had a podcast network approach us and ask mm -hmm. if we wanted to join and we were like sounds great sounds great and they were like we all support each other and we were like sounds great sounds great <laughs> and they said <laughs> just be spooky and cool and not be and homophobic or something and we were like hell yeah glad that's important to you too sounds great and they were like oh and we need you to do bi-weekly episodes and we were like um <laughs> yeah about that i'm like super busy you seem to have mistaken us for responsible adults, when in fact we are very responsible tweens trapped in adult human skin prisons. I like how you keep trying to sneak into conversation that you're human. I'm not buying it. Are you all buying it? <laughs> yeah, my schedule's real full of chaotically moving from one project to the next, though, So, and I'm not finishing any of them. I don't know if I can commit to something like that. But hey! One year anniversary. We should celebrate with an epic episode, like one about one of our favorite topics, which is saying a lot since you're the scully to my molder. Do you mean? What else? I'm talking about the most wonderful time of the year, Halloween! <laughs> Welcome to the show! Yay! I like having a really formal intro, like I'm one of those old white dudes with a variety show that came from vaudeville <laughs> and is now on black and white TV. You probably know our next duck from sitting on their porch during the Dust Bowl and clanging spoons together when they were discovered by a talent agent passing through on their laden mule. Or whatever the f***. Uh, anyway, welcome back to our recurring listeners. We love you the most! And a more platonic welcome to you, if you're listening for the first time. <laughs> we love you too, but just not as much as we will the next episode. So stay tuned. We're just getting to know each other. All right, we're not stuck up. You're the one rushing things. Take it easy over there. <laughs> Whether you found us through our recent interview on Market of the Beast with their delightful organizer, Heather, or because your podcast app suggested us, or whatever, I don't know how these things work, <laughs> we're glad you're here. 
Come on in. Take a load off. Settle in. Maybe get you a nice cup of mulled cider or a f***ing PSL, Becky. And make yourself cozy as we pay homage to the best day of the whole freaking 365 of them. Yes! It's the spookiest time of the year. With the pumpkins all smashing and scary clowns asking you, what do you fear? <laughs> it's the spookiest time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting and white sheets for ghosting. I love these lyrics so much, but you know how I feel about musicals. <laughs> What if I sang all my lines and we still did the show, but with me singing? I have no doubt you can do it, and I admire your inclination towards loopholes, but I'd have to murder you. Oh. And then I'd be jealous because you'd get to be a ghost before me. So, uh, no. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Halloween. We love it. Yeah. Probably you love it, or at least like it. I don't even know how that's possible to just like it. <laughs> Like it or get out! It is indisputably the best holiday in existence. Need proof? No! No, you don't! Because it's so obvious! Why would you? Now that we're on even ground, <clears throat> let's get out the rusty old dark stained shovels we found leaning up against a suspicious barn. Hmm. Glinting evilly every time lightning strikes. And dig in. Mm. It's a pun. I know. (laughs) (laughs) To take you on this mystical Halloween journey, we must first go back, back in time, back to the Celtic people of Ireland. My people! Scotland. The UK and other parts of Northern Europe during the Iron Age. Mm -hmm. The Iron Age had a different starting point, depending on region, but we're going to go with uh, 1200 BC. Okay. So if you're Gen Z and you're listening, that's roughly when all of us millennials were born. (laughs) (laughs) We're old. Back in my day, we didn't have smartphones, so we used a rock. Oh, really, Grandma? What was that like? It it was hard. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Like a rock? (laughs) Like a rock is hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I'm such a cut up. Mm -hmm. You will be in a minute if you don't get to it. Uh, Anyway, the Celts used to observe the end of summer and the start of the Celtic New Year with a flat-out balls-to-the-wall orgy Fest called Samhain. Wait, what are you talking about? About the uh, the satanic rituals and the devil worship. Are you getting all this information from so all of those horror movies I've watched over the years have been lying to me about this? Did you spend the last month watching horror movies instead of doing your research? But sacrificing animals? You spent the last month sacrificing animals? Mm. Oh, you mean for Samhain? Yeah. Oh, that part. Yeah, that probably happened. Oh, phew. I thought this was going to be a boring episode for a second there. (laughs) I mean, not that I want anyone sacrificing animals. I'd be all for sacrificing people who try to cut in line, though. Mm. Those ass 
and burn as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but I digress. That could be our new Halloween tradition. <gasps> Light the sacrificial line cutter pyres. <laughs> Bring your torches, friends. We're going a pyring. Mm-hmm. Wait, this could cut into Precious' private Halloween yard display view. Ah, uh, no! I'm not. No! Not sure if I'm committed to starting a new tradition. October is already chock full of enough activities. For Never! Me. More Halloween activities! Okay, well, alright, let's workshop it and we'll bounce some ideas off each other. I'd like to see a clean burning fire, just keep it as sustainable as possible. Mm. No fracked gas on my pyres, no siree, Bob. Clearly, some more brainstorming to be done here. Human fat doesn't really burn clean, but it can burn for a long time, so it's an economical investment all the same. <clears throat> I hear. Hmm. All right. So we should do actual research instead of making it up as we go. Mm-hmm. BRB. Record-keeping hasn't always been amazing throughout history, and what was recorded has often been lost, contorted, or destroyed over time for various reasons. What we do know, or currently think we know anyway, is that Halloween's origins may be rooted in many ancient festivals that focused on the connection between the living and the dead. One example is the ancient Roman festival of the dead called Parentalia, which took place over nine days in mid-February. Which is the right time of year for it, let me tell ya. My birthday is in February, and it sucks. Mm. It's stupid cold, it's super dark, and it's usually raining, which I generally don't mind, but try getting people together for a party under those conditions, brother. Mm. Ugh, the worst. Mm-hmm. February is the worst, and people should only do dead shit then because it's fitting. Mm. Does Valentine's Day always suck for you? You want to know why? It's because that's actually dead people time, and you're out trying to suck face instead of honoring your ghostly ancestors. Serves you right. Yeah. Instead of getting chocolates for your sweetheart, you should be leaving those bonbons on great-great-grandmommy's headstone because a large part of this festival involved offerings left outside the tombs of departed family members Mm. with the intention of strengthening the ties between the living and their ghostly Another similar festival mentioned in writings from around the 10th century in medieval Ireland is Samhain, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, because <laughs> language? Samhain translates to summer's end. As the transition to the Celtic New Year meant a time of both death, summer crops dying, and rebirth, winter crops sprouting. This symbolism was echoed in the conclusion of a bountiful harvest season. Hopefully, or else everyone you know starves, and there you go. Death. In the beginning of a cold and dark winter season that would prove difficult for people with no smartphones or, like, electricity or whatever. Dying of exposure is spooky. Because winters were cold and dark, making crops more difficult to grow, Samhain was a time to celebrate the harvest that you hopefully had gathered by now. Because guess what? Rains are coming and they are going to rot all your shit unless you've brought it in. November 1st on the Druidical calendar was the Celtic New Year's Day, the end of the growing season and the beginning of winter. So October 31st was the end of the calendar year, a symbolic day of death. Yes. 
I mean, even in America, we celebrate New Year's with like, ooh, it's the old man, you know, graphic. And then the new year is a baby. Oh. So it's like the last year is dying and then the, mm-hmm. the new year is young, whatever. This was a period of supernatural intensity when the forces of darkness and otherworldly spirits were said to roam the earth. In ancient Ireland and parts of Scotland, she mounds and barrows can still be found in the countryside. Believed to be portals to other realms, these areas are home to tricky fairy spirits. My people! (laughs) Wait, fairies are your people too? That's how my dad always told it. Hmm. Now this is no Disney story. These fairies would wreak all kinds of havoc, including stealing your baby away. (gasps) But I paid good money for that baby. Well, buy another one, lady, because they're going to steal your baby away Ah. and replace it with a strange and dangerous imp. Or they might rot all your food stores, causing your family to starve and worse. Man, actually, if I had given a choice between the strange and dangerous imp and this baby, mm, (laughs) I'd need to weigh my options. I mean, that's how I came into being, so... (laughs) Pans out. Your parents were like... Pretty good deal, actually. (laughs) You got any magic beans? (laughs) The uncertainty and ill luck that these creatures presented made people seek various protections for themselves against fairy mischief. Mm -hmm. To ward off malevolent spirits, the Irish built huge bonfires and invoked the help of the gods through various means, including our favorite (gasps) death, yeah, death, yeah, death, yeah. (laughs) Animal. And perhaps, depending on who's telling the story, maybe even human sacrifice. (gasps) Line cutters. Yeah. Get (laughs) them. With the slaughter of animals and, you know, maybe some line cutters, too, for food offerings and sacrifice. And karma. You might imagine there would be a lot of uh, bits just left around, messing up the joint. And when wild animals were still a thing, you didn't really want to leave that stuff lying around. Oh, right. Zebras. What? Wild wild animals? Uh, why would you... Okay, never mind. Anyway, the name bonfire actually originates from bonefire. And was one way that ancient people would dispose of the parts that wouldn't otherwise have been used. Bonefires are so metal! Yeah. That's even more metal than zebras coming and eating your dead. What? I want to put bones in my bone fires from now on. Except, wait, then what do you use for home decor? I mean, Mm. maybe just burn up the B-grade bones and keep the real lookers for on top of the mantle? The real sexy bones. (laughs) The best bones. Show bones. Show bones. (laughs) Registered trademark. (laughs) I I don't really know. But what I do know is that every time I see someone burning a bonfire that ain't got no bones in it, I'm going to turn my nose up at that like, poser, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And I'll run up with my hair all wild and ashes smeared across my forehead and scream, no bones, (laughs) and throw armfuls of dusty bones at their feet, cackling, bones for the bone fire. Yeah, I mean, we all have strategies for making new friends later in life. (laughs) You'd be surprised at how often it works. (laughs) It would work for me. (laughs) But you already know this. (laughs) That's why we're doing this podcast together. 
So, yes, most importantly, this was the time of year when the veil between the living and the dead, mm. the she and the otherworldly, was thought to be the thinnest. Ooh. Wait, why is it always referred to as a veil? I'm just picturing, like, a giant bridal veil hanging between life and death. Are veils mm. older than curtains? No one calls mm. it a curtain because they hadn't been invented yet? I have so many questions. Ooh, so when you die, you flip up death's bridal veil and give him a big old kiss like it's your wedding, and then boom, you're on the other side? That is the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Some young women fantasize about planning their wedding. I fantasize about being bound to death. How does your husband feel about that? Mm, we don't talk about it. <laughs> Whoever made this stuff up should have consulted us. We would have made it way better. Mm -hmm. Yes, good point. We should start referring to it as the shroud between the world of the living and the dead. <laughs> that would be much more appropriate since a shroud is the thin cloth that is used to wrap a body after that person has died. Mm. Super spooky fact, mm -hmm. the death shroud is where the modern idea of a boo ghost originated. Boo! So next time you see kids parading down the street in costumes, looking for tricks or treats, and one of them's all dressed up all cute like a spoopy little boo ghost covered in their mom's best floral sheet, think about that for a minute. Not so cute after all, is it? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. To be honest, this veil business has always bothered me. Hmm? Now I gotta do a deep dive into why it's a lady garment. Hmm. BRB. Okay, the best I could find is that the veil is an energetic barrier between the world of the living and the world of the spirit. Oh, I thought you were looking up actual veils. Because that's just a weird practice, too, and now I want to know why that's a thing. Like, when you get married, oh, you wear a veil? Oh, no. Okay. I was very confused. The veil between the realms... Mm. It's a metaphor. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of the veil is to divide spirit from the physical world. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they aren't still connected. <gasps> it's an invisible barrier. All right, that's not as satisfying an answer as I hoped for, but it's the best I'm going to get. So we're all just going to have to accept it. Fine. The actual use of the term veil is more of a modern concept, likely something that came out of the early 1900s and possibly developed through practices in the spiritualist movement. There are rituals for spirit communication where the use of a actual veil while connecting with spirits is used with varying intent. Ah, spiritualism. My first love. Ooh, once my snake cult ramps up, we can have like... Like how business offices have casual Fridays, yeah. except we will have veiled Wednesdays. Um, and donuts? Ooh! There's that excitement. Yeah. Because the <clears throat> shroud was thin at this time, loved ones and ancestors that had passed on were believed to be able to come and kick it with the living, and similar to my people's Dia de los Muertos, food was made to honor and feast alongside the dead. Damn, how many people do you have? Are all the people just your people? Pretty much. You should see my family tree. A lot of cultures all throughout history have this concept of cooking for the dead, Yum. feeding the dead, mm. putting out a place setting for the dead, or leaving food out overnight for them. 
It seems that our need to provide sustenance for our loved ones crosses all boundaries, Aww. and it is a way that the living show their loved ones past that there is still a space being held for them, a way to invite them into our lives on the darkest of nights. <laughs> Because the dead were believed to be able to communicate with the living around this time, they would aid in predictions about the year to come. So this time also had the spirit of our New Year's celebrations, where we reminisce on the past year and look towards what is to come in the new one. Except with badass, spooky predictions from the beyond. I always mean to do this. Put out some kind of ceremonial feast for my ancestors around the end of October, and I just... Honestly, cooking is such a chore. But pressure cookers. Um, but then you have to clean them. Mm. Mm -hmm. There's the prep work and the cleanup, and I always forget at least one of the ingredients. Sometimes I wonder if my departed family members are all hungry and disappointed in me. Mm. But then I remember when I was a kid, and my parents told me I had to cook dinner once a week, and guess what they got? Hamburger helper. Uh, every week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And they were big hippies. They were not pleased with the whole ordeal. No. You would think they would be so disappointed that they would stop making me cook dinner, which was one of my goals. But if you think I'm stubborn, well, guess who I got that from? Hmm. <sighs> Ancient people, including the Druids, built huge sacred bonfires around Samhain. And people would bring harvest food and, hey, sacrificed animals. Yes. Wait. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, if you want to eat beans with a side of beans all winter, mm. you do you. But I just cannot. So my only option is to be down with the sacrificing. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it was like a really quick and gentle sacrificing? Mm, yeah. We can pretend they sacrifice people who cut in line instead if it makes you feel better. But folks got to eat. Ooh, or it was like that SNL skit where they only kill the really mean animals to eat them. Definitely. That's exactly what happened. Phew. This harvesting of crops and people who cut in line, so definitely not animals, provided the food shared at communal dinners in celebration of the festival, the connection to ancestors, and the circle of life and death. If any of this sounds off to you, there's been a lot of confusion over the ages because Old white men gonna white man. And there have been some Halloween experts whose inaccurate information has been repeated to the point that it has become the basis for many other articles. That combined with varying agendas over the century has resulted in the spread of misinformation. So... We're right and he's wrong. Yeah. You tell him, sister. Or maybe we're both wrong. But at least we're entertaining. He's out. I'll buy that if it was on sale. <laughs> <laughs> With the otherworldly coming through the veil. Shroud. And offerings being put out for the spirits, departed loved ones were expected and welcomed. The practice of setting out food for the dead may have originated as early as 2,000 years ago. <laughs> though this is unclear, but many other kinds of spirits, some which never had human form. <gasps> my relatives. Uh, <laughs> could also appear. Ooh. Elves, fairies, the wee folk, sprites, and other dark energies. My people. <laughs> sprites are dark energies. Dark energies. Okay. We're just as likely to pay a visit as those one longed to see again one last time. Mm. And there was a chance that the spirit of a person one had wronged would also make an appearance. Oh, no. <sighs> yeah. 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 It's, it's bad news. 
In order to keep the unwelcome spirits from recognizing them, people darken their faces with the ash from the bonfires, mm. a practice later known as guising. Guising. Do you see where this is going? <gasps> Over time, this need to hide one's identity from malevolent forces became more involved, and people made masks and wore unusual garments. They would then have the opportunity to remain hidden until the spirit's presence was determined to be a loved one, at which point the person could reveal themselves, but otherwise remain safe from the unwanted attention of darker forces. So not only are bonfires metal as f actually having originated as bone fires, but they also provide a convenient way to make your own cosmetics right in your own backyard. <laughs> Two birds, one bone. <laughs> Man, remember when we did the makeup episode and all we talked about was how terrible corporate makeup is for you? I can never forget. And how much these companies seemingly create makeup with the end goal of poisoning women. Uh, can never unremember. Yeah, well, as Heather and I discussed in the Market of the Beast interview, the answer is to buy from a small business that is transparent about their ingredients. Go small batch with this stuff. And what could be smaller batch than throwing a few bones into a burning pile and smearing the ashy residue all over your face? Stunning. <laughs> Did you like this episode as much as we liked making it? Yeah. Well, good news. To celebrate both of those things and our one-year anniversary of spooking the hell out of your little delicate earsies, we made this a two-part episode. And since we're feeling super generous from the spirit of the season, just don't come for my candies or we'll fight. We're releasing the second half before Halloween, so you don't have to wait a whole month to learn about the origins of the jack-o'-lantern. And why these effing kids coming to my house and trying to get a cut of my candy? If you subscribe now, you'll be notified as soon as it's out. Take two minutes to rate and review us if you enjoyed all this spooky stuff we researched for hours and hours of our short little lives. So much research. Because we love Halloween. And if you love Halloween, us Halloweenies gotta stick together and take over the world. It's what jolly old Saint Pumpkinhead would want you to do so we can keep the Halloween magic alive. Mm -hmm. While you're waiting for the most magical of nights to arrive, let us know you're out there. Or risk this show slipping away to the other side of the veil. Ooh. It's a shroud. You notice how whenever people ask if you're going to die, they mean like right now. <laughs> Are you going to die? Obviously. Yeah, because I pretty much am always like, I mean, someday. <laughs>